The Soccer Gambling Podcast is brought to you by Wingbet. Wingbet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, Wingbet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $500 risk-free sports bet. Download the Winbet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use your promo code SGP on your first deposit receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com and the promo code SGP. Also brought to you by PicksWise. PicksWise is the number one home of free sports betting picks. Visit PicksWise.com to make your next bet better. We're also brought to you by Odds Crowd. Are you the best football better in the US? Odds Crowd challenges you to prove it with their free-to-play fantasy betting contests. With over $30,000 up for grabs over the season, you need to go to OddsCrowd.com to sign up today. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app. SGPN is giving you the chance to win $100,000 on NFL Week 1, exclusively on the SGPN app. This is your second international special here covering the European World Cup qualifiers here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter. That's at SGP Soccer, at SGP Soccer. For my additional content, check out my website, lockbetting.com. I am going to push this hard at the start of the month because I want you guys to sign up at the start of the month. We still had a couple of signups at the end of the month and we had a very strong end to the end of the month and it allowed people to get the US Open tennis futures which are looking very very good and the NFL futures were posted at the end of the month as well so it's not a big deal but what happened to these people is when they signed up on the 25th or the 26th they also got billed on September the 1st because that's how Patreon works it allows me to be fully transparent so when I say I have 99 months in a row of transparent track profit the Patreon site allows me to number one put all of those spreadsheets up and number two it's like a social media because it allows people to make comments underneath the post so if i had any any play and you know how people are like with their snitch tagging and people being social justice warriors in this day and age somebody would point it out you know somebody is tracking me alongside me tracking myself so there would be a comment on there but there isn't anything because the uh, spreadsheets are 100% legit and Patreon allows that kind of transparency. The only drawback is is that it will bill you again on the first. So why not sign up at the start of the month? It's going to be a huge month. Number one, we're looking for a 100th month in a row of transparent trap profit. That's right. For over eight years, I haven't had a single losing month. Number two, Champions League futures are going to be posted. Number three, you could still get the NFL futures and uh, nothing has happened yet. Not a ball has been kicked or thrown. So all of those futures are still valid number four you can still get in on the us open futures number five you can still look back at all of the domestic soccer and see what's still available there those are posted at the start of august and number six you still get all of the regular plays that we post every single month every single day and uh, we are red hot last month i'm not going to talk about it too much i'm going to encourage you to look at the pinned tweet 
on the Twitter account at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. I'll be posting that up this afternoon, the PL for the month of August, and you can see what the winning percentage is because that spreadsheet had very, very few losers on it. You can see very, very few traces of red on that spreadsheet. It is massively black. That means we did massively well last month, and you can see it for yourself. The pin tweet later on, at SGP Soccer, that's at SGP Soccer. Maybe you don't sign up until you see that, and then you can convince yourself why you need to be a part of LockBetting.com. If that doesn't convince you, have a look at all of the other spreadsheets that are available for free to look at on the LockBetting.com Patreon site. As we go for our one 100th month of transparent chop profit with so much to cover this month, be it boxing, be it NFL, be it the soccer season, the Champions League, the MLB, just tons and tons of content to cover and tons and tons of money to be won in the month of September as we go for month number 100 on the site. Let's move on to these European World Cup qualifiers. Now, I pointed out on the last show that this current international break wasn't wholly convenient for a lot of players. They were focused on their domestic soccer season just starting and then they had to go back and play internationals again. So I was expecting some lacklustre performances, some under par, under par performances from teams and players. But I think we got a lot more than I expected. I certainly did not anticipate Bulgaria scoring against Italy and then Italy not even winning the game. Bear in mind Bulgaria, that was the lock because Bulgaria have only scored once in 10 away internationals and then they go and score against the European champions who we've seen are one of the most defensively solid teams in Europe. That was the first goal that Italy had scored in this group qualifying, the first in four group games. So they ended up succumbing to a one-all draw at home to Bulgaria. Shocking result. We saw Sweden put themselves into pole position in their group by beating Spain. They're now two points clear with a game in hand. Very surprising result there. Portugal came alive in injury time to beat the Republic of Ireland, who have lost all three games in this group. Should have had no chance of getting anything from that game. And they were winning that game until Cristiano Ronaldo, who also missed a penalty earlier, scored two goals in injury time. We saw Belgium concede two goals at home to away to Estonia. That was surprising to me. Um, we did see England come through after Hungary managed to hold them at bay in the in the first half. And uh, suddenly when England scored, they did exactly what Portugal did in the Euros. So England weren't one of the victims of that. But one of the other victims of that were France. I don't know why this team cannot get it together. They've now got two wins and two draws in World Cup qualifying. So they've found a way to make it sticky for themselves. If we remember last time they were qualifying, they ended up losing away to Turkey. They had a very poor Euros and a one-all draw at home to Bosnia is not an acceptable result. So I don't understand why this personnel of uh, Pogba and Bappe, Griezmann, Varane, all these world-class players cannot get it together and they didn't get it together in the Euros and they didn't get it together in midweek. So certainly a, a round of shocking results and uh, we will take all of that into consideration as we look at the second round of games and what I've handpicked out for you on this show. First game we're going to look at here features the victims of that ridiculous comeback against Portugal, the Republic of Ireland. They're at home to Azerbaijan where they're the three to five favourites. It's 13 to five the draw and it's six to one on Azerbaijan. I would be taking Ireland here because off the back of that performance, despite the fact what Ronaldo did to them late on, they have to be motivated here and they have to be inspired by what they did for so long. I don't think there is a plethora of goals in this game, though, so I do think Ireland end up winning a tight one. So I like under two and a half goals here at four to six. That's been a traditional bet 
for the Republic of Ireland. But I also like Ireland to manage to win this game. They have three defeats so far, but they pushed Portugal to injury time. This Azerbaijan team have lost all three of the World Cup qualifiers so far and have lost six of their last seven matches. The Republic of Ireland did impress despite that loss and uh, they came through qualifying for Euro 2020 unbeaten at home, which is where this is happening. So I like Republic of Ireland here on the money line. That one is available at three to five. But I also um, lean narrowly towards this one going under just because that's been such a consistent bet for the Republic of Ireland over the years. I look for them to to win a tight game here against Azerbaijan. But ultimately, I do look for them to win in this one. Up next, we look at a game here between the Faroe Islands and Denmark. Obviously, uh, Denmark are going to be picking up a win here in this game. They're the 1-9 favourites to do so. It's 7-1 to one on the draw and it's 22-1 to one on the Faroes. Denmark are really establishing themselves as a consistent team and they did a professional job against Scotland. They were great in the Euros even after they lost Christian Eriksen and I look for them to put up a convincing win here. The minus 2.5 on Denmark really does appeal to me. Um, This is a Denmark team um, who head to Faroe Islands on Saturday and should be able to win convincingly seeing as they battered uh, they were batted 4-0 by Israel at home in their last fixture. And Denmark are way better than Israel. That's why I like minus 2.5 goals here. I can see there being a 5-0 win. If Denmark can get an early goal, the floodlights are going to open. They have scored 16 goals without conceding in just four games so far. And uh, the visitors may be in line for another massive win here. So I'm going to take Denmark minus 2.5 on the Asian handicap line. We're surprisingly getting plus money here, which is available at 6-5. to five. And I'm going to jump on it because I do think Denmark are going to batter this Faroe Islands team and uh, remain as consistent as they've been as of late in qualifying. Up next, we do look at this France game away to Ukraine which is uh, becoming a game where France probably need to win. I know they're clear top of the group, but if they continue to drop poor points, they're suddenly going to allow people to get into the group. Now, I don't think they're in any danger of winning the group, but I say it's must win if they want to have this degree of comfort that they should have given the quality that they have over teams in this group. They're 4-7, they're to seven, though, to win away to Ukraine, and I just don't see any value in that given how France have been playing and given how difficult Ukraine are to beat in Ukraine. Ukraine themselves are 5-1 to one and it's 13-5 to five on the draw. I do like Ukraine on the double chance market, but there's a load of statistical data here to take the draw, which is available at um, as big as 7-2 to two in some places. Ukraine come into this having drawn all four of the World Cup qualifiers today, and all of them have been 1-1, which is available at 7-1 to one as an individual scoreline. And France have drawn their last four matches as well after 90 minutes. If you date back to the Euros, so if you look at that last game, you look at that 3-3 draw against Switzerland in the Euros, you look at the draw against Hungary and the draw against Germany, these guys are drawing continuously as well. So Group D also has been the the group of draws so far, with six of the eight games so far played, finishing level. And I think there's serious value here on the draw, as opposed to just taking Ukraine on the double chance. Because I don't think Ukraine are going to beat France, although it wouldn't surprise me, because somehow, as I mentioned, this team of these world-class stars can't get it together. And despite the fact he won the World Cup, at some point, 
you have to question uh, Didier Deschamps because uh, they didn't win the Euros. They haven't set the world on fire in the recent Nations Leagues or the World Cup qualifying. There's just something not right here. And is this a team and is this a group of players that are dealing with a hangover on the international stage from winning the 2018 World Cup, reaching that pinnacle for a lot of these players and just not being able to get themselves motivated here for the international stage? Because when you look at these this, this team on paper, it's not a case of um, square pegs into round holes. You have players for every single position. You have Pogba playing with, with, with Kante in the midfield and, and uh, whoever else they decide to implement in those positions. They do rotate for that third midfielder, but it's always a case of the right players playing in the right places. You have out-on-out right-backs and left-backs. You have good centre-back combinations. You have the right attacking players in the right places, and they're all world-class. So I just don't understand what is going on with this French team. And this is another game that I just don't expect them to win. So I am leaning towards a draw. It's at such a good price, and it has very good statistical data, given Ukraine have drawn all of their four games in the group and France have drawn all of their last four with this group being draw heavy as well. Up next, we look at Louis van Gaal's first home game as the Dutch manager coming off the back of drawing his opener away to Norway, which wasn't a bad result. Uh, We did actually have that here as uh, Norway on the double chance market on the show. His team are available at 1-5 to to win at home to Montenegro. It's 11-2 on the draw and it's 12-1 on Montenegro. I do think they'll win this game, but I do think there'll be difficult periods here where Montenegro sit back and make themselves difficult to break down. Holland have won their last six competitive matches on home soil, and five of the last six Dutch matches have featured fewer than four goals. They've got three wins, one draw, and one loss across those five matches, with the only loss coming in the Euros against the Czech Republic. Um, eight of Montenegro's last away games have featured fewer than four goals and uh, a single piece of data that I picked out here, which was interesting, Georgie Wijnaldum has now scored 15 goals in his last 21 competitive appearances for the Dutch. And uh, he's always good to pick out as a goal, as at any time goal scorer because people see him as a midfielder. But in this particular team, he likes to get in behind the striker. Uh, the striker seems to pull the, the, the play out wide and takes the focus out on the wingers, which allows Georgie Wijnaldum to sneak in from behind and basically playing a second striker role whilst priced up as a midfielder, allowing him to score 15 goals in 21 competitive games. So looking at this data and the fact that Montenegro's games are low scoring, I expect them to sit in and make it difficult for the Dutch. But ultimately, I like the Dutch to come away with the win. I like Holland to win this game with under four and a half goals scored in it. I expect Montenegro to sit in, but ultimately I think Dutch will get the breakthrough and then I think they'll be able to build on that and come away with a semi-comfortable win, which will feature under four and a half goals. This play is available at four to six minus 150 here in this one. As we move on to Sunday's game, we start by looking here at Belgium. They weren't overly impressive in the in the first game, but they did score five goals. So that's sometimes the type of team that Belgium can be. They can just be gone ho at one end and a little bit lacklustre at the other. I was surprised they were not more lacklustre and in the Euros, but I was also surprised they weren't more gun ho at the other end of the pitch. They come up here against a Czech Republic team where they are the eight to fifteen favourites to win it. It's ten to three to draw and it's thirteen to two on the Czechs. 
The Czechs are still carrying a little bit of favour from the, the Euros, where they did very well. But the reason they did well is because Patrick Schick scored five goals for them. He's suspended for these games. We saw in the first game that they played, they, they limped to a 1-0 a win, where they really should have done a lot better. And here, they're coming up against a Belgium team, who I think is simply going to outscore them. Schick is their main source of goals. Schick is their main provider, and he's suspended. So if Belgium can just score a couple of goals here, they'll go on to win this game. So Despite the fact this is a short price, I think there's actual value here on the money line at 8 to 15, as I think Belgium will end up winning and possibly winning comfortably. And um, as I said, they're carrying over a lot of favour from the Euros. But without Patrick Schick there, I'm not too sure how they're going to cope here against the Belgium side, who have won 12 of their last. 15 matches. Although Belgium have conceded in four of the last five home games in all competitions, I don't think Czech looked too threatening in the last game. The Czech Republic lost four of the last five away games prior to what they did in the Euros, where they did really well. And when you figure in that data, you can really see why they did really, really well above and beyond. But uh, once again, I reiterate, without the um, joint top scorer of the Euros, Patrick Schick here missing from suspension, I think that Belgium will end up winning this comfortably. And I think there's serious value here at 8-15 to on the money line in this one. England captain Harry Kane said after the game that he didn't hear the racist chants but would talk to his players about them. There were fears England players would be booed for taking the knee after UEFA ordered Hungary to play three games behind closed doors. That lenient punishment was given after Hungarian fans were heard chanting horrific racist abuse at Euro 2020. Disgraceful homophobic banners were also seen around the Puskas Arena in Budapest during the tournament. Hungary's penalty is only applicable in UEFA competitions and two of those behind closed doors games are suspended for two years. The Hungarian Football Federations was also fined a measly €100,000, around £86,000, for their fans' ugly actions. Republic of Ireland players were also booed by Hungarian supporters in Budapest for taking the knee during their friendly in June. Hungary manager Marco Rossi vowed before the match to stand by any action taken by England players during the World Cup qualifier. But his players chose not to take the knee in solidarity with their English counterparts. And Hungarian FA president Sandor C. Sanyi asked supporters not to make any racist, homophobic or discriminatory chants during the game. C. Sanyi wrote in the match program, It is also important that the team's unbeaten run so far in this FIFA qualifying campaign is not overshadowed by anything else. Yeah, so I clipped that bit of audio simply because I wanted to talk about this racism situation. It's difficult not to when when we're approaching the England game here now on the show um, because it's overshadowed everything. Now... Hungary, a decent team. In the Euros, they trailed for just seven minutes in the whole competition. And that was when they conceded a late goal against Portugal and subsequently conceded two more when they were chasing the game. They were never trailing against France and they were never trailing against the Germans. And, and they went home with, with two points. So they had a decent outing at the Euros. So this was a difficult place to go to as France and Portugal found out. And for England to win 4-0, that's a very, very good result. But it's barely being talked about because it's being overshadowed by this entire racism scandal. Now, let's get one thing straight. There should be no racist chanting or racism overall in, in any game or in just in life in general. That shouldn't be happening anymore, especially in 2021. But this was a lot more prominent in the 80s. This is an issue that I feel has been dealt with relatively well. And um, it wasn't really surfacing in the 90s, in the 2000s or anything like that as much as it is now. It does seem that we are seeing a clear indicator that the more that we put it under the magnifying glass and the more that we tell people how to behave and dictate to them, 
the more that they rebel against it. The knee, I still stand by the fact the knee is a terrible, terrible gesture. Gesture. It is too closely linked to a different political movement, that being Black Lives Matter. And that, I think, is what is causing the resentment, not just in Hungary, but this is being booed in England. So we cannot turn around and go, Hungarians are pieces of shit and Hungarians are this, that and the other, when our own supporters are, are partially booing it as well. I'm not, I don't boo the knee. But I also don't applaud the knee either. I'm not in favour of it at all. I think it stands for something else. If you wanted to be anti-racism, if you wanted to show respect to each other, there could have been another way of doing it, pointing to the respect badge. Just any kind of individual gesture that wasn't a wasn't replicated from something that was taken from Black Lives Matter. That, that shouldn't be the case. So the more that you continue to do this, the more racism that you're going to get. And I don't think that's the right thing to do. Like I said, I'm not saying... sitting here on the show going they're asking for it and they deserve to get this that's not what i'm saying at all but i'm saying there's a clear link between doing this and the increase of racism when you're supposed to be doing the need to decrease racism it's supposed to be a gesture that reduces that reduces this and and stands against it in solidarity instead it's not it's not something that stands for solidarity at all it's dividing people including your own people in your own country and it's causing more of a negative response. Get rid of it, change it, do something else. Don't use something that's been used by Black Lives Matter. It's really fucking simple. If they want, if they want, if you want to have a gesture at the start of football matches to, to be against racism and to show respect to all races and, and for each other, find a different way to do it. That way, you won't antagonise these people and you won't be subsequently increasing racism, which is what you've done. It's fucking stupid. Look at the look at what's been happening. There's a clear, clear indicator that it's on the up as a result of this. This doesn't work. And um, I, I don't really know what more to say um, other than the fact that this is going to continue to get worse. Bans, suspensions, sanctions, fines. None of this is going to have any kind of um, long-term res- result. Obviously, the best long-term result would be to raise your children in a different way, so that racism is eradicated at its core, at its core, and at the roots. But obviously, that's a long, long way away. So that's going to have that's not going to see any kind of uh, not going to bear any kind of fruit until fifteen, twenty years down the line, and that's even if people do do it. So, you know, I'm not here to talk about racism. This is a gambling show. But it's difficult to do this England game when it's been completely overshadowed by a different subject matter when it should be about England winning 4-0 on the pitch because, as I said, that's a very, very good result. Where we've seen so many other teams across Europe come in super rusty, England have come in and done a really good job in what is probably the most difficult game in the group. Um, you could debate it's the next game away to Poland. But the bottom line is is that England are through and in a very comfortable position. And this Andorra game, which I'm going to on Sunday, is going to be a case of England being able to rest the entire team and playing all of those secondary players that you don't get to see. So I don't think you'll see your Sterlings, Canes, maybe Harry Maguire's in this game. I think we will see a full rotation. We'll get to see the likes of uh, Calvert-Lewin having a go up front and um, and all of the reserve sort of players that, that, that don't get the, the 90 minutes in the original team. But even with that said, 
I do think that England will win this game comfortably and I do think they'll be out to make a statement because as I said those are the players that don't play and therefore they're going to want to put their flagpole down they're going to want to show the manager what they can do at an international level yes it's against Andorra and it probably won't carry too much weight but if somebody comes here and scores a hat trick then you got to be looking at them if someone here is an absolutely puts in an absolutely dominant midfield performance or we see somebody with goals and assists and a real standout performance they can get themselves into the team for the polling game no doubt about it so i still think england will cover the line here it's minus 4.5 i don't see england winning this by less than four goals so i'm going to take england minus 4.5 here on the asian handicap line for this game against andorra at wembley on sunday up next, we're going to look at the Germans. They are at home to Armenia, where they are the 1-14 to favourites. It's 10-1 to on the draw, and it's 22-1 to here on the Armenians. Germany, obviously, are the better team, and under new management now, with Joachim Lowe gone, they are looking to massively improve. And I think if they can get this together... I think if they can sort everything out here in terms of getting themselves organised, they can be challengers for the World Cup. Hansi Flick is the man who rejuvenated Bayern Munich, who took them to a treble just last season or the season before last. So he knows what it takes to win and he knows a lot of these players. He's familiar with these players. He's not going to be playing Joshua Kimmich as a, as a right wing back. He's not going to be playing players out of position. If everybody's played in their position and playing at their best, this German team are a contender. But we are going through a teething period. And look, Armenia ain't that bad. They're not bad enough here to be um, for Germany to be 1-14. to 14. Yes, they're going to win the game. But when a team are 1-14, to 14, that does give you um, good prices in handicap markets. So I like Armenia here to avoid a significant defeat. Armenia plus three on the Asian handicap line is available at four to six. So the only way you lose this is Germany win by four goals. If they win by one or two, you cash. If they win by three here, you push. Germany have not won a non-friendly match by more than three goals in almost two years. Armenia are currently actually top of Group J with one more point in Germany. And Armenia have not lost any of their last nine non-friendly matches, winning six and drawing three. And we're getting three goals here at minus 150. Give it to me. Give me Armenia plus three here to avoid a drubbing at the hands of this Germany team who are just getting used to a new manager and didn't look particularly great in midweek either. The final game we're going to look at here is Switzerland versus Italy, where Swiss are at 16-5 for the win. It's 12-5 on the draw and it's even money on the Italians. I like the Italians to bounce back here. They've just got too much of a good record recently to um, to not bounce back. Italy coming to this game having not conceded a goal in each of the last seven competitive away games prior to Euro 2020. And Italy, Italy did stretch their undefeated record to 35 games with a one-all home draw to Bulgaria on Thursday. However, what I like in this game is to take Italy to get a clean sheet, which is available at 6-4. Italy to win to nil also provides value, which is at 23 to 10. However, a draw in this game is beneficial to the Italians and it would be a decent result for the Swiss. So I can see the two sides playing out a cagey game and not necessarily breaking their necks to go for it if it's nil-nil after 55 or 60 minutes. So I can see the Italians either nicking this with a better quality and then holding on to their 1-0 or just settling for a nil-nil result here. I don't think that's a terrible result for them. 
And I don't necessarily think it's a terrible result for the Swiss either. So I'm going to take the Italian clean sheet here, which is available at 6 to 4 plus 150. Although if you want to take Italy to nil at 23 to 10, I do think that also provides you with pretty decent value here from this game. Closing out with the lock on the show, two plays that I really liked here. Um, I do like Denmark to win convincingly, but I'm going to lean towards uh, Belgium here. Getting Belgium at under minus 200 on the money line, I think, provides value. They've got such a strong record, winning 12 of the last 15. Full squad to choose from, and the key man at Czech, for the Czech Republic isn't going to be there. I think Czechs are overvalued from what they did at the Euros, but their away record is still poor, and the main man isn't there. And Belgium, all they do is win, all they do is score goals, and if they can score a couple here, the Czech are not going to be able to respond, and, German, and uh, Belgium usually do score more than two goals in a game. So Belgium on the money line at 8 15 is your lock for this show that's it from me good luck with all of your bets as always guys and thanks for listening